This episode of the podcast is being supported by Slice, which is a YouTube documentary channel that brings together a wide variety of short, original, factual videos about the world we live in. Slice has just released a documentary about kabuki, which is a traditional Japanese form of theater and one of Japan's most unique cultural symbols. Their documentary is about a 17-year-old actor named Kazutaro Nakamura who is making his debut performance on the stage of Kabukiza Theater in Tokyo. When I was watching the documentary, I felt like I was being deeply immersed in Japanese culture, and I live here in the country, so I'm sure you will enjoy it too. Please check it out by clicking on the link in the episode description. Thank you, Slice, for making awesome documentaries and for supporting the Voices in Japan podcast. On this episode, we are joined by Harry from Hokkaido Consadole Sapporo, which is the professional J1 football or soccer team in Sapporo. As some of you may remember from earlier episodes, Harry is a translator with the club, and this time he has given us a great interview that covers how the team started to hear about the coronavirus while they were in preseason training in Thailand, the impact the postponement of their season is having on the league, players, and staff, the outlook on a possible shortened season taking place, and what pro football games might look like going forward. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Check us out everywhere on social media. And if you would like to sponsor the podcast or even come on the show or just say hi, please send an email to voicesinjapan at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and now on to the show. background by the way yeah yeah man got my, well it's like my room so i've got like just my own personal space in my house where i have all my stuff <laughs> nice my computers and all my drawing kit and yeah, my shirt collection <laughs> that uchimura one is that that's not the basketball player is it is that a basketball player no nah, that's the old the striker from consadore i'll show you the, the best one well heskey's a good yeah one. yeah i saw that heskey's one he's a good one but Torres is the best man. Ah, oh, nice. So that's yeah, actually his—is that his shirt? Yeah, all these are match worn. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be worth quite a bit, bit of bob later on down the line. Yeah, one day, one day. Yeah. Frame yeah. them and stuff. Yeah, when I'm broke, I'll flag him. <laughs> By the way, uh, I mean, you guys all sound good, uh, Harry. You can hear us fine as well, too. Yeah, man. Yeah. No worries. Just one thing, Ben. Ben, your mic is kind of covering up like your mouth. I don't know if you. I mean, it's fine if you keep it that way. But I mean, um, yeah, I don't know what else I can do with it, actually. Yeah. Well, that? then, no, no, no. It, it looks. <laughs> if you sit natural, <laughs> I think if you sit natural now, it looks better. It was like it was seriously like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was hiding behind it. <laughs> um. But anyways, yeah, Harry, man, it's been a while since uh, I think you came on our podcast last time, like maybe last yeah, fall, fall or something. But yeah, I think you guys had like uh, a good uh, season last year. You want to give us an update on how the season ended and stuff? Yeah, it was an all right season. It wasn't as good as the previous one in terms of league position. We finished 10th overall in the league. But obviously the, the big thing last year was our success in the Cup. We got all the way to the final of the Louvain Cup and that was a, a crazy experience. And especially the final itself. We found ourselves in the lead early 
and then they they pulled it back and then they went in front and then we equalized in the last minute and then extra time we went ahead then they equalized again and then the subsequent penalty shootout and and the drama there so that was the that was the highlight and the low light really of last season getting there having such a tremendous game and then losing it but yeah it was an experience and I, I still got a medal, a runners-up medal, but a medal nonetheless. Yeah, what, what's, it, what's it like after a, a game like that, like the cup final, you play so well and, you know, obviously the after party can't be much fun or, or is yeah. it? Immediately, obviously you've seen it on TV when, you, when teams get to a uh, penalty shootout like that. The team's all standing there, all the staff and everyone on the sidelines I mean, I'm just waiting to see what happens. And then when the last, when you, you play, I mean, it misses the last penalty. It's just a moment of just shock, really. It all just kind of just stand in there. And then when it, it starts to sink in, you see the other team celebrate and just really disbelief, I think, until you get home and watch the game. Yeah, it was yeah. really hard to take. And it was just pretty much silence, really, in the in the dressing room after the game with everybody getting changed and it was just quiet and and kind of dark really <laughs> it was really disappointing i don't i think it takes a long time to get over to be honest yeah when and, i think then, about it now i still feel i still feel that disappointment and then does everyone go home and just go their separate ways because obviously if you win yeah. you're gonna have a massive party oh, we had right? all yeah we had all kinds of stuff planned for if we won believe me but when <laughs> when we lost we just got on the plane and went home, and I was back oh, home that yeah. evening. Got a six pack of Sapporo Classic and <laughs> sat and watched it all the way through <laughs> on my own. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, that yeah, was, it was it was crazy. That was a crazy game. I was catching it on TV, and just like you said, man, at the end of the game, it was like roller coaster up and down. And man, I went crazy when you guys scored there and equalized. And then, yeah, yeah to watch it finish that way, man, that was just, I think, rough for everybody, especially when when we scored that equalizer. It's probably as excited as I've ever been in my life. We were standing, obviously, like on the touchline there, and it's the last second of the game, we've got a corner. We're like, man, this is the last chance. And when it went in. I ran on the pitch like this. Some official come on and says, I get on the pitch like this. You couldn't see on TV because it was filming from our side, but I saw a fan angle and you can see me like run on, like, like the guy come running over, get off the pitch. Yeah, oh man, it was crazy. And then when you go to extra time, obviously there's a little gap between full time of normal time and extra time. When you see it on the TV, you're always like, man, I wonder what they're doing when, or what they're saying when they're in that huddle. Because it's just, you know, you guys in the middle of the, the pitch with a full stadium. Man, it was just kind of intense. Though, and you're just like, all right. It's like, go, go, go. Like, Don't stop attacking. Don't stop attacking. You see, some of the guys are like knackered and they can't, you know, they're like, man, I don't know what I've got left. And he's like, then he is a tired. I'll take you off. We'll play with 10 men. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rather play with 10 men than have one person not, not doing their job. And I was like, no, 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 I'm sweet. I can do it. I can do it like this. I see the guy, the guy who scored the goal and I went up to him. I was like, amazing, mate. Well done. Brilliant. I said, another 30 minutes. And he's like, yeah, no problem. He had the biggest smile on his face I've ever seen, man. He was having a great time. 
yeah, it was it was intense, but it was really good, really good experience. And then, uh, and then we come to the start of this season, or I guess the preseason. Yeah. And uh, when does preseason training get started? Uh, second week of January. So and obviously, we can't train here because of the snow. So we we always go away. So we were away in Thailand for the first leg of our camp. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. We got up to a place called Chiang Mai. It's it's nicer than Bangkok, to be honest. We've been to Bangkok before. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been, but it's, I don't know, man, it's a city and it's it's really hot there, isn't it? It's kind of muggy, but up in Chiang Mai, up in the mountains, it's green and it's not so humid. It is nice weather, but yeah, perfect conditions for a pre-season camp. Yeah, I always, always enjoy there. Is it always Thailand you go to, or do you sometimes go to different countries? The last two years, it's been Thailand. We did go to Hawaii the year before that. I think we've been to Guam before. Yeah, but and and are you playing? Are you playing like local teams, like to to warm up? Yeah, or are you just play, training there. We play a couple of local teams, and then we play whoever else goes there as well, because there's a lot of teams from the Korean league as well. There's other Japanese teams there because they're pre-seasons at the same time. So we play against some of them. We played against a couple of Korean teams in Chiang Mai this year. And now uh, competitive games. Oh right, so it's not like friendly games or anything. They they go pretty hard out. Yeah, yeah, especially the Koreans. They're they're, pretty, they're known to be aggressive, and yeah, they really put themselves about. We were lucky to come out from no injuries, I think. It's a good, good game, man. And how long is that preseason usually? Preseason goes from second week of January to first week of March. So it's pretty long. We're away from home that whole time. So during that time, like, did Corona start to come up as a topic? Or you guys were like, I mean, you guys knew about it, but didn't think there was going to be any uh, yeah. effect on things? Like, When we were in Thailand, I remember seeing some stuff about a virus in China and I was just, everyone was kind of like just blowing it off. Like, oh, it's just another thing like SARS or, you know, bird flu or whatever. And then it kind of like carried on, didn't it? And you just start thinking, hmm, maybe this is something to worry about. But we just kept training as normal because it wasn't such a big deal. But then I remember... I think it would have been near the end of January because we were just about to go back to Japan. And I, I was reading more and more about it. And I was like, man, this, this might be actually a problem. And I think it was about that time when the, uh, what was it called? The Princess, the cruise ship. Uh, Princess Diamond. The Diamond Princess or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Princess Di. <laughs> yeah. In Yokohama? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When that when that happened, then everyone started to go, uh oh. But they didn't really take any any precautions or anything like that. I remember on the on the flight home from Thailand to Japan, the Korean players were really worried about it. So I think that their news had got on top of it really early. And I think, you know, looking back on it now, Korea was on top of the whole situation. So that kind of stands out to me looking back on it now, how worried the Korean players were about it. A lot of the Japanese players and everyone else were just like, ah, it's no problem. They weren't wearing masks or anything. And the Koreans are like, guys, you should be wearing masks, man. This is a big deal. No one was really taking it seriously. Then, you know, it just, it kind of gradually grew and grew. But it wasn't until March when people really started 
to get worried about what was going to happen with the football season. So did they did they cut your preseason training short, or did you guys come back at your regular scheduled end of the preseason training? No, what happened was we'd already started playing games. I think we played one league. We did, in fact, play one league game. We played against Ray, so and lost. We played one cup game as well, and one in the cup game, no one was bothered. It was completely business as usual, the first game of the season. And in the first league game of the season, it was everyone, all staff need to wear masks, but everything else was normal. We got back from that game, and then two or three days later, I think it was 24th, it was like the 24th of February or like last week of February when we had a game scheduled against Hiroshima and the players were going to leave that day and we all got called into the dining room in the hotel we were staying in and they said, yeah, no one's travelling, all the games are postponed. And everyone was like, whoa. <laughs> where, where were you guys at? Were you in Sapporo or were you already down? No, in- we, were in, we were in Kumamoto at the time. Yeah, so the games are kind of are taking place in down in southern Japan, the first games of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, at that time, Hokkaido was like the main hotspot. So then they said, "All right, the game is postponed, and we're going to extend preseason camp for a week or ten days." So they extended the preseason. So it was down in, in Kumamoto for a bit longer than we expected. But they at first they told us. Um, it's going to be a two or three week suspension and then we'll just get back to normal. But obviously that didn't happen. So you guys had what about two or three games at the start of the season and then that's it yeah, so two far. Games. Yeah. We've had two games, one in the cup, one in the league. So compared to like, say, you know, like in Europe, a lot of the leagues were kind of coming towards the end and they, you know, there's a big issue there in England about restarting. So is it not as serious in Japan because they didn't really get started? It's kind of a weird one. I think competition-wise, it's not such a big deal because we'd only just stayed. But financial-wise, business-wise, it's maybe more of a problem because in Europe, when the season's already gone all that way through, you've already got most of your gate receipts. You've made your money you've fulfilled your um, obligation to sponsors, TV contracts, etc. So you're kind of all right in that respect. But here, we haven't fulfilled any of our obligations to anybody, any sponsors or TV or anyone. So they're in a position now where I think there's a lot of sponsors saying, well, we're suffering financially and we're not getting anything out of this sponsorship. So, you know, we're going to pull the plug or we want a better deal. So I think a lot of the clubs in Japan are suffering because because of that. Hmm? Yeah, how about like the the players? Are they that everyone's still getting paid or are they taking pay cuts or anything like that? Yeah, our players had a big meeting and they all decided that they would take a voluntary pay cut. And the staff ourselves as well, we we did the same. So we've all taken a pay cut. Yeah. I mean it's not it's not ideal, but it's better than redundancies, do you know what I mean? If, better than people getting laid off. So that's what we've decided to do. 
Yeah, there was uh, just an article, I think, that came out yesterday, or I think they've been having a few meetings this week because, what is it, originally the talk was to maybe have the season suspended until the end of May, so I guess they're trying to figure out when they can actually restart, but coinciding with that, there was an article that came out about losses for professional sports in Japan, and they said across all Japanese sports, there's going to be, well, so far, this guy at Kansai University calculated there's there's probably going to be about a $2.5 billion loss, not just to the sports leagues, but also the manufacturers of merchandise, concessions, and sports equipment and stuff. So I think, I think the main thing as well in Japan is that one of their main source of revenue is gate receipts, people coming to games and buying tickets, where in England, it's TV contracts. So even if you start the league and you have no fans, it's it's you know it's a big problem. And they're saying May, but to be honest, from things I've heard, I think it's going to be July. Because if it was May, we'd have to be training now anyway, and we're not. So yeah, what is? Uh, I mean, the guy. There was another article actually saying just like you were talking about that. I mean, what would they consider it to be a full season? And uh, what did they say here? They said that uh, it would be considered a full season if 75% of games were played and each team played at least half of their games. So when, when about when were you saying you guys need to get started to actually have that happen? I think, well, from sources that I can't reveal, but yeah. I think we'll start again in July. Mm. To do that, we'd have to start training full-time in June. And, man... We'd have to play, so that's basically cutting the season in in half, isn't it? If we're supposed to start in February and finish in December, and we're going to start in July, so we'd have to play two, sometimes three games a week. Is is the plan to like do a half season, or they're planning to like play all the games within half a season? Is that they're like planning a... to play all the games in half the time? Oh wow! And and to do that, they're saying, oh well, you can use five substitutes in a game instead of three. But, I mean, it's still a big ask because if you've got a squad of, what, 30 players, you've got four or five injuries that could easily happen. If you're playing that many games back to back to back to back for that long, it's going to be tough. And you talk about, like, uh, training again to get back into game shape. I mean, you see, like, videos on the internet of, like, uh, professional sports players from leagues like the NBA, basketball in the U.S., and, you know, people have at least basketball courts of their homes and stuff that they can shoot around on and, mm-hmm. and do something. But, I mean, for soccer or football, like, I mean, can't is there any way for people to be training or doing anything soccer-related during this whole lockdown situation? No. <laughs> My mates, well, my mate Jay's borrowed a rowing machine from our mates CrossFit gym, so he's he's rowing in his house and you know doing I don't know push ups and sit ups and whatever he can. But there's no way he can train football; it's impossible. I don't know. I really I don't know what to expect to be honest when the season does resume because there's going to be a lot of errors. I think the standard of football is going to be not what people are used to. It's going to be interesting, put it that way. Do um do a lot of the players want to start so soon, or would they prefer it to either calm down with the situation because it doesn't seem to be getting better in Japan at least, especially Hokkaido. Mm. So I mean, would players rather just bail out on the whole season and wait until next year when things are a bit more, you know, no. co- uh, sure of what's happening? 
everybody well, wants to play. Or do they just want to get back? They just want to get back. Everybody wants to get back and play. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, we're doing groups of six that can use the training ground, but they can't use any of the facilities indoors. They, they, they can't get their kits washed. You know, they have to bring everything themselves, bring their own water. They can use that ground to run around on, kick a ball, but they have to spank. They have to be 10 meters apart. So it's really, really limiting. They can't do anything really, but they're still turning up. And all of them that I've spoken to are just like, man, I just want to play. As soon as they say it's okay, we're playing. They're, they're not thinking about anything else. So also in, in July, when the restart is planned, are they planning for you know stadiums to be full, tickets to no. open up? No, I heard that they were going to do 50% of normal fans. So they would have an open seat in between each supporter. And then in between each row, they would have an open row. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think that was just put out there and then quickly scrapped. So I think there would be no fans. There'll be no celebrating when people score. They yeah. can't. They, the fans won't be able to touch each other or anything, or the players. Yeah, which would be know, weird. Yeah, weird. <laughs> we did. We did a behind closed doors friendly match against Kashima Antlers in March, and they put it on TV because you know Dazan is struggling for content. But it was so. It was so weird because there's no fans there. You can hear everything the players are saying, hear everything that the the ref is saying. And when you score, like you say, there's no noise. It's just dead. It was it was kind of eerie. It wasn't enjoyable at all. It wasn't exciting. I just really don't I don't know, man. Sports without without fans is it's just kind of weird. Yeah, do you know if there's uh, – because I think there was something else they were saying in the news about, obviously, with uh, the season being postponed, at least for now, uh, season ticket holders, obviously, what do they do with them? And I think some of the major leagues, uh, major teams in J-League have actually started to address uh, what they're going to do about refunding uh, some tickets to season ticket holders. You know if Consadole is under pressure at all for that right now, for season ticket holders or anything? or no, I don't know. I guess not just the J League, like the sumo tournaments. I kind of follow sumo a little bit, but the spring tournament for sumo was also, also took place without uh, without anyone in the arena. And I think the summer tournament has actually been canceled at this point. But things like that, sumo. I mean, we watched the uh, mixed martial arts events, the UFC event the other day yeah, on TV. Yeah, I thought that actually went over pretty well, even without fans. I mean, obviously, you don't have the excitement and stuff there with fans, but it's kind of like a, yeah. uh, watching an event in Japan where people are quiet anyways, and you can hear a lot more of the impacts and stuff. So it's kind of exciting in its yeah. own way, but team yeah. sports and stuff, it's completely different, right? Yeah. I think with football, it's always been part of the community, hasn't it? You've got one, one or two teams in a city and they represent the city. So the people of that city obviously have an affinity to that team. You know, they represent the people. Do you know what I mean? In, yeah. in boxing or combat sports, they're really only representing themselves. So you can be a fan of them, but it's not the same closeness as a, as a football team has to the community. So I think football is not you, well, pretty unique really in that respect i mean 
American football, they have the, the same thing there as well and, and baseball, but football is that much older. I think that kind of tribalism is is really ingrained in it and as such is really important to it. So when 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 you're part of the team and you're competing, you really do feel like you're competing for the pride of all those people that are there to watch you and that are supporting you. And to be honest, when I was just a fan before I got involved in in professional football, I thought when I heard players say, oh, I really feel the buzz of the crowd and it really lifts me, I thought that was, you know, kind of just BS and, and pandering really. But the first time when I ran out into the, the middle of the pitch at Sapporo Dome in front of all those people, you really do feel it. You, you feel that energy of all those people and, and to have that missing is a really big loss, I think, for football especially. How are the foreign players doing? Right, because, well, I guess in Japan, the, we're not really having a lockdown. I guess we can call it like a soft lockdown. It's not that strict yeah. for, for citizens to like go around mm. around town, walk about, you know, compared to like England where it's like proper lockdown. How are the, how are the foreign players dealing with it in Japan, being away yeah, from their pretty, families and stuff? Yeah, pretty tough for them, really. Especially because at one point, Japan and especially Hokkaido was like the hot spot of the whole world for this coronavirus. So at that point, that was when players were arranging to bring their families over and they all stopped because obviously they don't want to bring them to the danger zone. And in hindsight, that was the time to bring them because now in England, it's it's even worse than it is here. And you know, if they come from England, they have to be quarantined and, and everything else. So, yeah, I mean, when, when we were all talking about, oh, probably best to have them stay over in England a little bit longer, it was probably, we should have been more like, get them here while you still can. And obviously people didn't with, you know, all the best intentions, but now they're stuck. They're stuck on their own and it, it is tough for them because they haven't got that kind of network their family would provide where, you know, even if you're stuck at home, at least you've got some company. You know, Jay's on his own. Lopez is on his own. and Lucas is on his own. Chan is on his own. So, yeah, I do feel for them. But, you know, there's plenty of people throughout the world that are in the, the same boat. So, just unfortunate. Yeah, are you having to... I mean, are you still obviously helping Jay out with stuff right now? Or not really? Because yeah, he's not really doing anything, I guess. He's at home a lot or... Yeah, I mean... It has obviously slowed down a lot because, like you say, there's no football. But there are still interviews and stuff that he has to do for, you know, different media outlets who are struggling for content. So I think interviews and that kind of thing has actually gone up. There's more of those happening at the moment. And our club is trying to do other stuff for, like, the youth team players. So they're doing a lot of questions and answers with youth team players and um, stuff on Skype and stuff like trying to just you know help help the youth team players because they can't train either. So they're trying to do little little things here and there. I'm not you know totally useless yet. <laughs> there's still <laughs> stuff. There's still stuff for me to do. What are like the the rules that the clubs have imposed on their players in return in response to kind of isolating? Are they quite kind of quite strict? Yeah, they're stricter than the official rules that everyone else has got. I think we're not allowed to 
to go to restaurants to eat. We're not allowed to socialize with more than you know two or three people, anyone outside your family. Um, they even told us we're not allowed to go running in the park. Yeah, our, our rules are basically European lockdown style rules. Is that for you as well and staff or yeah, just the players? Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everybody. Yeah, because I mean, we all work together. So if I was to get it, then the players would get it. Yeah, we all have to live by the same rules. But I think that's a good thing. I think that I think that we should be locked down, to be honest. As soon as we lock down and flatten the curve, then as soon as we get back to normal, whereas otherwise, I think you're just delaying the inevitable. Do you know, uh, are there any stories that have come out uh, of any infections within the league, family members or players or anything like that? Yeah, there's a few players that got it. I think a Kashima player had it. Yeah, I think there's there's three players that have had it. I can't remember who they play for at the moment. I think one of them was Kashima. But... Oh, quick recovery. Sounds like, thankfully. Uh, yeah, yeah. No symptoms or uh, anything. Yeah. I mean, I know there are young, healthy people that have had it and and it's really, you know, done a number on them even after they've recovered. But I think these athletes, so they get it and they recover pretty quick and have no lasting effects. So thankfully, that's the case with the three that I know anyway. Yeah, there's a big story obviously going on right now about the young sumo wrestler that uh, got COVID-19 and unfortunately passed away. And and uh, there's discussion about, you know, what else may have contributed to worsening because they say obviously obesity is a comorbidity that can have a bad effect on mm. uh, COVID-19. And uh, obviously sumo wrestlers are putting on a lot of weight to be competitive, but uh yeah, it's uh, obviously a lot of different perspectives out there about uh, what's good and what's bad. But um, yeah, I, Harry, I've I've a question about um, uh, players speaking out in public because you know, like in England, you know, there's a lot of vocal players about the situation, yeah. especially you know, like Danny Rose the other day. The government said we should start football again because it will boost the nation's morale, and Danny Rose came out and saying that's that's basically yes. <laughs> and um, yeah. and he doesn't think that they should go back to playing football until you know the situation's kind of resolved itself because he's worried about the safety of his family and the lives of players. I mean, do yeah. do Japanese players usually speak out about stuff like that? You know, like on social media and what they're really thinking. No, no, not not publicly anyway. They'll just go with whatever the club is kind of telling them. The club will never say say this, but I think the way that the culture here is that, you know, corona or or no corona, no one's ever really going to say anything that they think is going to incite any kind of debate. So as, as far as public relations goes, business is normal. So you won't hear really anyone gonna... speaking out of turn, basically? No, if they say the league is going to go on, then they'll just go on. I think, like I said before, most players would be happy with that anyway. So there was uh, not, I mean, I think you were already saying, but there weren't really any uh, players that were too concerned for their health. I mean, was it just because they like wanted to get back to soccer so badly that they were willing to ignore it? Or are there any that you kind of saw that were genuinely concerned or being influenced by maybe family members that were genuinely concerned and stuff? I think that a lot of it is they basically just don't read 
a lot about what's going on, especially right before they locked us down. We were training as normal. I mean, there was no games, but we just carried on training. And I don't think they watch a lot of the news. They're all, you know, busy young lads in their 20s, so they're not really paying attention. So they're like, oh, if we're training, then everything must be fine. This is not a big deal. So I don't think anyone was concerned, basically, because they weren't really informing themselves about what was happening. And there's a little bit of, you know, naivety there. Is that still the case now, or do you think um, a lot more people are kind of researching about the news and getting themselves a bit more informed about the situation? I think, I think a lot of their research is asking me in the morning when they turn up <laughs> <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> yeah, like I said, they're, they're just young lads, so they're not. They haven't. A lot of them haven't really, you know, got families or kids or all that. So, like, what's going on? Are the schools back? You know, they're just living in their, in their bubble. So, yeah, they're just. When, when can we play football again? That's what they want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a positive in one respect because morale is probably quite high then. Yeah, well, morale was high when we were training, but now when it's only small groups and they're not allowed in the clubhouse and they're not allowed out, I've noticed it's. It's took a little bit, a little bit of a turn. It's it's not the same atmosphere as it normally is, obviously. So they they are feeling, you know, the overwhelming thing for all of them is that they just want to play. They just want to play. That's it. They just can't wait for the season to to start back up and and to live, you know, the only life that they've known so far since they were kids. Really, I mean, they they they've played football every week, and it's just been a constant thing their whole life and now you know it's they can't do that so they, they don't know anything else so it's it's tough for them I think outside of of football you know we've all lived different lives but we've all gone from one thing to the next and our situation has changed you know over the years so we have a certain adaptability to changing situations even though this is you know unique we we I think we're more adaptable than a lot of professional footballers really in the sense that their routine has, has has never changed they've only known one way of life so it's difficult for them they just want to get back to normal there is a there is a chance that this could go on for a, a lot longer than predicted what well, i mean what would happen if like say the season never got started and it was cancelled completely would that have a huge effect on the league the players the clubs it's hard to tell and um, how they how they would even handle it. You know, if past this prologue, then they'll just keep going. Okay, this is the next date, and then when that's impossible, they go. Okay, well, this is the next date, and then you know, it'll come to a point where it's you know almost impossible, and then they'll go. Okay, we tried, but I don't think I don't I don't think it'll be anytime soon. I think if they have to cancel, it'll be it'll be right at the the very last minute and. I would like to think that even if they don't play games, then they'll let us train as a team as long as we're locked down at home. And then say if we get into September, October, there's no chance that we can play a full season. Then maybe we could play some alternative tournament and just put some games on just, you know, so that people have something to support something for the fans to to get behind something for 
the players to play for rather than just say, all right, no football for a year. I think that would be terrible. Yeah, financially, it'd obviously be a big hit. I think they was they were saying in April or something that uh, the J League was up was actually uh, trying to get uh, lines of credit from a couple banks just to make sure that uh, they could try to cover the uh, economic impact, especially if the season were to get canceled overall. I mean, hopefully that's something that that it wouldn't go to. But another thing I saw is uh, there was an article about a player who was working on his coaching license. Uh, right now, obviously, because there's a lot of downtime. and But he was a veteran player, and, you know, I don't know if all the younger players are thinking about stuff like that. But uh, it got me thinking, especially uh, in combination with what you were just talking about. But in Japan, like a lot of these players in the J-League, uh, once they retire, is there kind of a an avenue uh, for them to do something afterwards, like broadcasting and stuff? Uh Obviously, a lot of Olympic athletes in Japan, you see them on TV and they seem like they're doing quite well after their careers in sports. But how about for athletes and leagues like the J-League and stuff? Do you know if there's a lot of support? Yeah, for retiring footballers, I think that the pathways, if you want to coach, then you can do your coaching badges and there's you know, clubs that will, that will take them on, clubs that they've played for. You know how it is in in Japan, it, it's who you know, really. If you know someone and have a relationship with them, then they'll find a job for you, basically. You know, it uh, happens in business, doesn't it? If you've gone to the same university, you, you can get into, into that company. It's kind of like that, in a way. As far as uh, TV work and stuff, if you've played for a team for a number of years and you had a good, a good rapport with the the people of the city, then you'll get a job on, on local TV, no problem. I know several players that used to play for our club that are on TV, you know, numerous times throughout the week on local TV, and they make a good living off that. There's also a lot of players that go into the business side of football as well. So they, they retire and go on and become ambassadors for clubs and do a lot of public relations work and stuff like that. And I guess they can kind of play off their celebrity pretty well in Japan too and maybe even open restaurants or small izakayas or something and support stuff like that. Yeah, I know a couple of guys that have izakayas in Suskino. And and they're good because the players go there, you know, and they can have the whole place to themselves. So, yeah, there's there's a few of those in town. Yeah, they do all right, I think, yeah. With everybody wanting to uh, not just sit around and get back to training and stuff, um, I mean, you were saying that in Japan, obviously, the culture kind of keeps people in a way where they just uh, kind of listen to what the instructions are. But are there any players that are kind of pushing against uh, the situation and saying, come on, like, let's just get back to training. Let's just get started. Let's just go out and do something as much as we can, especially now that this has kind of been under the uh, state of emergency has kind of been going on for at least a month or around a month or something. No, no. I'm kind of glad about that, to be honest, because uh, I think it wouldn't be appropriate. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, they've been pretty responsible as far as that's concerned. They're, they've been understanding as well. They know that this is for the best. So for the moment, at least, they're just knuckling down and, and being responsible and getting on with it. And to be fair to a lot of them, they understand that they're still in a good position because despite taking the pay cut, they've still got a job and they're still getting paid. So a lot of them are taking it upon themselves to support 
small businesses and, and things like that through their their social media presence and stuff. So I think that for for most of them they're they're all you know handling this in the right way and, and, and being responsible. Speaking of which, I saw uh, you had some live videos going on and you seem to be working on some pretty interesting projects. Anything you can share about that? I mean, are you working on an actual animation or something or what exactly is going on? Yeah, there? I don't know. Obviously, everyone's got a lot of time these days. So they're all locked down. So I thought I'd try and be productive. And you know, I used to be a graphic designer back in my time in England. So I just got back to that really and I started sketching and, and drawing and it's turning into um, a few designs. So I got in touch with the players and we're, we're going to create some t-shirts and, and some, some merchandise. I had a meeting with the club yesterday and they're going to get behind it and we try and raise some money for the club and for local businesses that are, that are struggling just through some sales of some merchandise, I think. And, as for the, the animations, that's just something I, I've never done before, so I thought I'd give it a try. But it's pretty time-consuming. There's no Someone said, are you, you going to make a cartoon? Oh, man, it takes two hours just to do, you know, two seconds, so no chance, no chance. But, yeah, it's been fun. It looks pretty cool. Like, how is the player? Because, uh, I mean, you're kind of using the player's images and uh, making some pretty cool things. Do the players see those, and how do they react to those? Like. Yeah, it started when, I don't know if you ever played Streets of Rage when you were a kid on the old yep. Mega Drive. Yeah, yep. they, they re-released it. They Well, they released a new version of it, Streets of Rage 4. I was just playing that all day with, with my boy. And uh, I just like the, the animation and, all, and the, the 90s style of it. So then I thought, oh man, I could do something in that style with these players and I kind of, you know, turn them into different kind of fighting styles. So what did I have? I had uh, Jay with the uh, Streets of Rage, you know, knuckleless gloves on. And then I had uh, Musashi as kind of like the Afro Samurai kind of character. And uh, Chanatipa as, did, did you ever watch Monkey Magic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had Chana as, as a monkey magic character and uh, another player called Arano as like a, a Muay Thai guy. So it was quite fun to draw them up in in that style. And I've started on a second one now with some of the defenders. So that will probably come out within the next week or so. How is uh, your kid doing? I mean, our kid, uh, you know, she's very young. She's two years old and she's still in the nursery school. And nursery schools have been running this whole time. And because my wife and I have still actually been working pretty regularly, we've been putting her in in the nursery school. But uh, the number of uh, kids that are going to the nursery school these days has dropped about in half. And we get these messages from the nursery school that say, uh, you know, please uh, consider keeping them home as much as possible. So on days when my wife can stay home from her job, unfortunately, I have to go all the time. But when she can stay home, uh, we're keeping our kid at home and stuff. But uh you know, the schools are obviously closed. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day that he's a foreigner. Um, and uh, I think his wife is Japanese, but he's kind of the guy, he's the one that stays home with the kids. And he said he's struggling a lot because the older kids are in the international school, so he can help them with their curriculums that the schools are, you know, the study projects that the schools are giving to the kids. But for 
his other kids that are in elementary school, the Japanese schools, like he doesn't, his Japanese level isn't that high. So he's just struggling. And he's basically saying they're, they may be falling behind a bit because there's not much that he can do to help them with their lessons and stuff. But uh, everything is, is going pretty well for you guys in that sense. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky because our son is only 12. So it's not like he's right deep into exams or anything that he's got to, he's got to you know try and pass. So. He does have a curriculum. He's studying for about three hours every day in the mornings. And he does that. Well, he does it on his own. And he's fine with that. And, you know, he's got all afternoon to play outside. So he's cool. He's, yeah, it's no problem as far as that's concerned. It was his birthday and he wanted a, a basketball hoop. So we bought him a basketball hoop. And now he's out the front of the house every day for hours just practicing sh- shooting and layups and stuff like that. And then that's a positive really, because I think all his mates and his basketball team, they, they can't train. <laughs> 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 He's going to go back, you know, he'd be like dunking on people. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, it's been good for him really. Yeah. Nice. He's, he's fine. He's not, he's not stressed about anything. He's, he's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're lucky in that, reg- in that regard. Right on, man. Ben, anything else? No, no, I think we covered uh, a lot of stuff today, uh, all the questions I wanted to ask. Yeah, man, well, cool. definitely, especially appreciate you uh, coming on again to give us some more insight into how things are going with the J-League. It's always uh, interesting to hear about somebody who has an inside perspective on on sports, of course, in general in Japan, but especially during this uh, very, very unique situation we're under. and. And hopefully something will happen in the positive way that uh, sports in general can get started, but J-League as well. And, and you guys' season can be saved uh, to a certain degree, not just for their players and their families, but for the fans as well. I think, you know, everyone's waiting for some kind of normal scene of sports definitely help with that. But for big crowd events yeah. like uh, team sports, it's going to be very interesting to see what they can do going forward. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but yeah, thanks for having me on again. And when things do start up, maybe we can have a chat about how they're managing to, to do that and, and how it's different from normal. I think that would be a good for chat. For sure, too, so. for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. that would be really good. Uh, hopefully in July, I guess, is the plan, right? So we'll see. Yeah, uh... hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Fingers crossed, man. Fingers <laughs> and toes and everything else. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Cheers, Harry. Cheers. Cheers, thanks, thanks, everybody. All Thank right. you. Awesome. Nice All one. Right, in a bit. Bye-bye. See ya.